Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This summer, Sprite is bringing you the Live from the Label Tour, featuring live stream concerts from your favorite hip hop artists, including Lotto, Sawee, and Jack Harlow. Need a ticket? Just buy a Sprite bottle and scan the label. Scan three bottles and see three of this summer's hottest shows. We causing a commotion. Brought to you by Sprite. Get your ticket to Sprite's Live from the Label Tour when you purchase a 20-ounce Sprite or Sprite Zero Sugar at your nearest retailer. Copyright 2021, the Coca-Cola Company. All rights reserved. Find everything okay? Whenever you shop Meyer, you shop for your entire community. You help support food rescue programs and simply give. You help keep your neighbors well with vaccinations, free prescriptions, and mobile medicine. And you help support sports teams across the Midwest. Whatever you shop Meyer, you help people in your community to work, to play, to live, and to learn. Thanks for shopping with us. Learn more at Meyer.com. What's up, everybody? This is Hall of Fame wide receiver Terrell Owens here, a.k.a. T.O. Uh, get your popcorn ready. Do a favor. Leave my guy Connor a five-star rating after the show. Listen to it. Uh, give him some feedback. And also, if you want to listen to my podcast as well, uh, check it out, subscribe, share. Uh, you know, you don't need to leave a five-star rating. You know, uh, we're five-star. I'm five-star uh, all the time. Uh, my podcast is called Get Your Popcorn Ready with T.O. and Hatch. Uh, again, check out both of those podcasts. And hey, check it out, listen, and subscribe. Thanks for tuning in to Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However, you're listening, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, Connor Miles here with my co-host, Johnny Page. And we got a very, very, very special guest. Uh, very dear to my heart. Back from the 2014 Eagles, 2015 Eagles, I met this man, wrote for his website, Continue to talk to him daily on a, about the Eagles and love his opinions, love his film analysis. Philly Sports Network's Liam Jenkins. Liam, thanks Hi. for coming on the show, my man. No, pleasure's all mine. We're, uh, we just keep intertwining, man. It's cool. It's good to be on. Thanks for having me. Of course. I mean, Johnny and I came up with what we're going to do for today's episode. Talk about the most underrated, most overrated breakout candidate, player that will surprise, and player that disappoint. And we thought... You know, for some reason, him and I always agree too much. And we need right. to add some diversity <laughs> to the show. And even if I don't agree with – because you know you and I over the years haven't agreed on everything, but you and I could simply talk about it and you can express your opinion. Why? I'm like, damn, I have to consider that because he, he thoroughly explained it, uh, why he feels that way, and then the, the points were relevant. Uh, that's why we had to have you on the show because even if – your answers are different than ours, which I'm hoping they are. I'm hoping there's some excitement because I brought some excitement to mine. I know Johnny will try to bring some to his. I know that you're going to be one that will explain well and make me eat crow. I'll, I'll try. I mean, there's, there's pressure now. I'm going to get a little bit frustrated. But <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I'm genuinely excited. And I think these sort of debates kind of – I've always said to you, you know, from the days when we started working together, 
as you have a couple of times. I mean, that's all we know separates the men from the boys now. Like anyone can say mm-hmm. a hot take or an opinion, but if you can't stand behind it and back it up, it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. Like if you can make someone just double take and go, actually, I see where he's coming from at the very least, then that's sort of the, uh, to not plug another podcast, the art of the take, if you will. And uh, and we'll see how, how artistic we can be in a period where I think all of our sanities are being tested. So if as a heads up, any opinion that is terrible, blame COVID because we are all just losing our minds at this point, all right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So that's why I thought, you know, I mean, the, the content's dry right now. We might as well make a controversial list and let the viewers decide who had the best list. Uh, maybe do a little giveaway. Johnny will think about it. Uh, I just want to see who thinks – Everybody had the best list. I think it's an interesting uh, couple of topics that we had going on. But, Johnny, let's kick it away with most underrated. You started off, my friend. Who do you have as the Eagles' most underrated player? Before I do that, despite your lovely introduction, I would just like to point out this is an Eagles podcast with two people from England. So, uh, I think Liam used to say we are coming. Just uh, might be the only time we ever uh, overrate. Uh, overrate? Uh, we over, um, outnumber, sorry, uh, the Americans on here. But yeah, we were chatting off air about Ooh. how we sort of covered the sport. But there we go. So two English people. I'm sure there are some people that aren't impressed. But if you get used to the accent, then it's fine. Uh, right. Underrated player. I'm really hoping that we've got different answers. Because kind of big this up for a debate. And normally when me and Connor do this, we don't look at each other. I have no idea what you guys are going to say. We'll end oh, up yeah. somehow I'm picking the same you that up. Yeah. We, yeah. Not, just so the viewers are aware. Johnny did not tell me any part of his list. I did not tell no. me. I did not tell him any part of mine. And neither did Liam. Liam's, we're all coming in completely blind to each other's list. So uh, once Johnny says his answer, I will know yep. his, just like you guys will too. All right. So underrated player, actually. I'm basing this a little bit uh, based on my, uh, when we did our last podcast, about sort of most important players. And I think people were really harsh on me for having him high. So I'm going to go with Dallas Goddard as being the Eagles' currently most underrated player, which is a weird one because I think you get some people in the fan base that believe he's better than Ertz, which I don't think. Mm. But I also think you get people that basically just think, oh, if, if Goddard goes down and doesn't play next year, so what? We'll just play three wide receivers. We'll just play Ertz. And I think that's like a huge uh, issue, really. I think Dallas Goddard is crucial to this season going well, uh, which we assume will happen, uh, will go well, because basically the Eagles are going to be a one-two personnel offense. Dallas Goddard is excellent. I mean, he's a top seven, top eight tight end in the league. The biggest issue with Dallas Goddard is just Zach Ertz is incredibly good. And Zach Ertz has a trust of his coaching staff and the quarterback. So he's never going to hit the huge numbers. If Ertz was to leave for some reason and Goddard was to step in, his numbers would be huge. I don't think he'd probably repeat Ertz in terms of receptions, but he could probably better him in most other categories. And yeah, when we done our last list, I got quite a lot of uh, surprise. I had Goddard in my top 10 most important players. And I think people massively underrate how good he is. So it's a weird underrated one. Cause I think people do know he's good. He's not like entirely underrated, but I think people think he's a good second tight end. And I think he's easily good enough to be your first tight end. It doesn't mean I'm saying getting rid of Ertz, but I actually think a lot of the fan base underrate Dallas Goddard. I think, yeah, I think he's a very, very good tight end. He'd be pushing a top five, top six tight end in the league if it wasn't for Ertz being there. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Dallas Goddard as currently my most underrated uh, eagle. That's a good answer. Dallas Goddard could start for 25 of the 32 teams in the NFL for sure. Uh, No doubt in my mind. So, Liam, Mm. let's hear your answer, man. Let's go. You know what? I, obviously, I'm in the same boat as you guys. I didn't know what either of you were going to say. So I could have played it very coy and safe. Like, Carson Wentz is the most underrated and do like every other analyst or pull the cow herd and say all the quarterback stats and how I'm made. We all know that to the rest of the world, Carson Wentz is underrated. Okay, And he probably is the most underrated player in some capacity. 
But to the diehard Eagles fans, which is who we're appealing to, I don't think we need to make that argument. I think the argument needs to be made to the front office for Craven LeBlanc in every sense of the word, because the guy can't seem to get one over. And it's like, you know, he had a, an amazing 2018 campaign, comes in for the playoff, interception against the Saints. Like, I think the time he joined in 2018 was the perfect time. It was that rise of, like, the masks and everyone having this, like, tenacity that they'd lost all season and being that hustler. And he was the only cornerback that could, A, make a tackle um, and, B, cover simultaneously. Like, none of the corner could do that at the same time, it seemed. So you go into 2019 looking like, okay, we've got ourselves a slot corner. He's going to be the starter. List Frank injury, training camp ruined, in the mud, doesn't know what's going on. The Eagles give him a one-year extension. They're like, look, okay, we'll, we'll do you a solid here because you were good in 2018. Comes in in 2019, returns. Arguably the best cornerback performance I saw in 2019 was Crave on the Blanc against the Giants. Honestly, like I, I, you can't overestimate how good that was. And the man matchup on Saquon Barkley, that huge tackle for a loss, the energy that brought to the team at that time. The only subpar game I've seen from Cravon, as someone that has watched every game like twice for numerous film rooms, was the playoff against the Seahawks. And that stung. Like, that wasn't great. It wasn't his finest hour. I'll admit that. But he's underrated is then you go and get Nicole Roby Coleman. So he's once again a backup corner. And I think he's good enough to start. Now, Nikel Roby Coleman arguably is one of the better, if not the best, nickel corner in the league, which is very terrible when you're writing articles because you've got Nikel and Nikel right next to each other every time. But um, I just feel like it's a bit of a shot at him. And I feel like they could have just gone, look, we've got Avante Maddox. We can let Sidney Jones and Rizal Douglas go outside. At the time, I would have said Trevor Williams, but now that's gone. That pipe dream's disappeared. Um, it's just, a, I don't know. I didn't think the Roby Coleman signing was needed. It's great. It's nice. It's there. But I, I don't know. I feel like the strap should have been given that starting role. That's a, that's a very flaming hot take answer. But I, I mean, I agree with you in a sense because I think LeBlanc is a very good slot cornerback too. I think he's great tackling. Uh, I thought every time he's played for the Eagles, He's played well. I don't. I, you don't see. A, you don't see it compared to how many chances they give in Sidney Jones and oh, yeah. Monty Maddox on the outside. Like you don't see LeBlanc screwing up as much as uh, those two do. But to me, you have to sign a Cole Coleman if he he's on the market for yeah. one year, one one point three million dollars. Yeah, he brings that Patrick Robinson effect. So I think that's what the Eagles were like. Instead of taking the what if and LeBlanc, who has been injured throughout his career, hasn't really solidified himself as a player despite his good play with the Eagles, uh, they had to go ahead and get Roby Coleman. But I do like that answer because I do think he's an underrated player on the Eagles roster it's, for sure. Yeah, just, just, really quick, just really quick, Colin, before you give yours. Yeah, that is a, that's someone I hadn't thought of. Um, I think he'll make the team. I think, like you said, yeah. if he's healthy, he's good enough to play. To be honest, I go one step further. I'd say that we had two good nickel corners. I think Avante mm. Maddox is a good nickel corner as well. I think Roby Coleman, just a case that Schwartz probably – uh, hit the table very hard for him and he's really really good but if Maddox is going to play outside I think um, LeBlanc could easily make the roster and we know a lot of teams spread you out now you're going to need two two corners on the field at times if Romy Colvin goes down I think there's every chance LeBlanc still plays I'd rather keep him on the roster than someone like Rizal Douglas personally um, if you're going to take five corners so yeah I don't think it's the end of the line for him he's just got to prove he can stay healthy so yeah that's a good answer oh, yeah, like no, no, he's on very cheap money they're not getting rid of him that's not happening uh too many, too many. I mean, not only that, 
ever since Patrick Robinson, they've had inconsistency at the nickel position because everybody gets hurt or hasn't played well up to standard. So, I mean, uh, to throw away an insurance policy at the nickel, I don't see them doing that at all. Uh, but let's go into my answer, and I think most people will guess it. It is Roddy the Cloud. No safety on the Eagles roster is capable of playing center field free safety right now, so that makes him irreplaceable. When McLeod went down in 2018, the secondary got incredibly leaky, leaky and ultimately failed to replace his presence. Same could happen in 2020 if he were to get hurt. McLeod has never given up more than one touchdown in coverage during his four years in Philadelphia and has yet to post a coverage grade below 70 with the Eagles per pro football focus. Second year removed from ACL, which bodes extremely well for players recovering from the same injury. That is exactly why I think Ronnie McLeod is the Eagles' most underrated player. Look, I mean, they brought him back for a reason. I think they thought Malcolm Jenkins at a higher rated salary was not the way to go because I would argue his play is spiraling downward. I, I love Malcolm Jenkins. I think he's a great leader. I think he's – if he's on this team right now, he's probably the third best defensive player uh, on the team still. But I think you could replace a box safety a lot easier than you could replace a center field free safety. And Johnny and I have spoken on it multiple times on episodes before that – it's just a harder position that what people can evaluate for. None of these guys are going to look amazing, uh, especially McLeod with the missed tackles last year. I think his form was a little off because he was uh, one year removed from the ACL. Like I just pointed out, he's in second year removed. I think he's going to be uh, way more fluid, way more uh, elusive, and he's got nothing but rest right now. So it's not like the guy is coming into a new defense. He knows the system. He knows the ins and outs. Uh, probably going to be one of your leaders, honestly. I, I know everybody wants to point to Jalen Mills and uh, – uh, Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and all those guys, but I think Ron McLeod will definitely step up in a leadership role this year, uh, replacing Malcolm Jenkins. Like I just said, one touchdown. He's only been accounted for one touchdown in coverage in his four years in Philadelphia each season. No more than that. Uh, very underrated player, I believe, uh, on the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it was a, a dark horse for me. Like, I think, honestly, that 2018 season, before he went down weeks one to four, was elite. Like, if you go back, like, that Colts game, 2018, like, really early on, was one of the best games that I'd seen him play. Um, and I think the difference was for me in 2019 was that he was oddly playing in the box a little bit more. Like, I don't have any PFF numbers or snap counts where he was distributed, but it mm-hmm. felt like he was being dropped inside a lot more. And what mm-hmm, didn't dude. help was that when the Eagles are playing those robber concepts where you've got one safety dropping down or, like, someone playing a buzz it was always Malcolm Jenkins making the error. But because Rodney McLeod was the deepest safety, it was him that looked bad. He was on the other side of the field. Malcolm Jenkins bites on this tight end underneath. You've got Rizal Douglas shaded inside. Next thing, Terry McLaurin's flying deep. And McLeod gets stick for it because he's the deep guy that in a to a casual fan should be with him. It's not the case. Like, it's not his responsibility there. See, you get my point then, yes. Because you're, you're – I'm glad you're alluding to, like, the – it's now to, <laughs> to a full extent, but yes, you were seeing the same thing I was seeing on film. Uh, my thing is, look at the Eagles' safety depth, and I don't want to get too much more into this because we got to get into the other topics, but they had to ask McLeod to blitz and do more yeah, because I think they thought lesser Malcolm Jenkins last season due to his play, and look at the safeties behind him. You're not asking Rudy Ford. You're not asking Marcus Etch. You're not asking uh, uh, Andrew Sadejo. You're not asking Jonathan Cypher to play in the box. You're not asking them to play center field. Now they have all these guys, not just these two collective starters that they have that they're paying a ton of money to. Now they're playing 
McLeod on modest money. They're paying Jay Mills on very low uh, money. Will Parks very low money. They drafted Kayvon Wallace as a rookie contract. They have a lot of pieces to use at safety this year, so I think you could put McLeod in center field. I think he'll play majority of snaps. Well, obviously, he's going to be his majority of his snaps there, but I don't think you're going to see as that much like you alluded to this year of him playing in the box around the line of scrimmage now with all the depth they have at safety because it's not just two guys anymore, really. Yeah, I but, think that's fair. I think I think that's yeah. fair. Should I move on? We yes, we're going to go into most overrated, Johnny. Go ahead. Overrated is always a bit of a horrible one because you feel like you're putting someone down. Uh, I'm going to go for one. I didn't pick these. I just picked these based on what basically where I stand on players compared to Eagles Twitter. So it doesn't mean I don't like them. Uh, it's just from what I think, I think this player gets way too much buzz on Eagles Twitter. And we spoke about him quite a bit on the pod, so I'm not going to go into detail. Um, I was going to put him in disappointment, but I put him as overrated. Uh, I would go TJ Edwards, linebacker. Uh, which is a bit harsh because he's sort of a, a late round pick last year or UDFA. He sort of worked his way up through the team and does very well. And we all love those kind of stories, which is great. You know, I hope he's very, very good this year. But I also think TJ Edwards is being overrated by what people think he's going to do. So I keep seeing he's going to be like a starter. People saying he's going to start for the Eagles. He's going to start in base as a linebacker. And I would guess that's the only place he starts. I don't think they'll ask him to play nickel at all. I don't think they'll ask him to play dime. He didn't look very good in coverage last year, but he is very good against the run. He will give you help against the Saquon Barkley's and the Ezekiel Elliott's when teams try and run it down your throat. Um, but most of the time when we're playing teams in 1-1 personnel and we're spread out with one or two linebackers on the field, it's not going to be TJ Edwards. Uh, so I like him, but I like him in a specific role. He, I sort of write as my notes, he's a bit of an old school base linebacker who wants to run and hit sideline to sideline. That's how I'd sort of describe him. There's nothing wrong with him as a player. I think he's very good in that role. And I think 10 years ago, I would probably have him on a, on a different category here, maybe underrated. Because I, I, I used to love linebackers like that. They used to be so easy to scout, sort of see ball, bang, loads of tackles. But the game's changing. And those kind of players are, are valuable. But I just find it when people talk about him being our best linebacker, or people talk about him being our starter, it depends what you mean his starter is these days. So if you think 30% of your snaps most likely is a starter, then that's fine. That's why we talk about Roby Coleman. He is a starter, in my opinion, uh, because that's what a nickel corner is these days. That's the way the league's going. And we have seen a little bit of a pushback in recent years. I think uh, Greg Cosell said there was a fullback on the field last year more than there was like the previous four or five years. So maybe we're seeing a little bit old school football coming back. And in that case... I think he'll be more valuable against those sort of teams, but I think he's underrated compared to Eagles Twitter maybe calling him the best linebacker and a starter, whereas as much as I like him in a specific role, uh, I don't think he's sort of a starter in nickel or dime, hence why I have him as overrated. Nothing against him. I hope he has a very good year. But yeah, I would say probably based on Eagles Twitter at the moment, he is my most overrated player currently. Uh, as the days go by and as the lack of attention or lack of free agents, I would say, or anything that they bring in at linebacker. I'm starting to get more sold on the Nate Gary, Jatavius Brown, two linebacker sets more and more each day. Uh, I'm still hoping they bring in another linebacker, but uh, I, I I, know Liam looks like he's very upset that you're saying TJ Edwards. No, I'm not upset. No, I'm <laughs> uh, I, for me, the only argument I would give is are you overrating the player or his role? As a player in the role, uh, you can argue that Edwards surely then isn't. Because considering he's undrafted, came in, in the limited action that he saw, didn't really put a, a foot out on a beat, to be honest. I thought he was pretty good most of the year. But is it the role then 
that so because I agree. I think like the reason why you've got Will Parks, Jalen Mills, Kayvon Wallace, like Kmart announces the Freedom Store is closing forever. Millions of dollars in inventory must be sold. Storewide discounts up to 75% off. Every department is on sale. All fine jewelry, fashion apparel, footwear, toys, health and beauty aids, and cosmetics are now on sale in store. Everything must go. Nothing held back. Selling to the bare walls. Even store fixtures are all for sale. Shop now for best selection only at the Kmart store in Freedom at 1702 Freedom Boulevard. It is business as usual at all other Kmart stores. You're going to see more of I, I always like into the Chargers defense um, in 2018 when they face the Chiefs. That's the thing I always go back to. Like six, seven DB sets becoming this this front where you want to get lighter, you want to get wider, you want to get quicker on defense. Like look at Davion Taylor. Like that's now your prototypical linebacker. Very raw, very quick. Um, but is it then it's no fault of Edwards that he's overrated. It's more the role in this defense just evaporating a bit. No, because it oh. is a fault of Edwards because he's not good enough in coverage to play the other roles. So it's Fair. it's complicated, isn't it? Like people, uh, yeah, I, I didn't put Davion Taylor in here because I've said too much about him this offseason and I like um, the athleticism and stuff, but you have to play a role in which you can do. And I don't think he's, if you look at his athletic numbers, they're not very good, TJ Edwards. And I might be wrong. And to be fair, a lot of this is because he's played such a small sample size. So if they want to roll him out of nickel next year, he can do it. Then brilliant. Like, by all means, prove me wrong. But based on how they used him last year and how I think they're going to use him this year, it is partly I'm, I'm overrating the role. You're right. It is partly a role thing. But he's also in that role because yeah. I don't think he's good enough to play a different role. So if he was better in coverage, it's not like there's many people in front of him on the depth chart. So um, if he was better in coverage, I don't think he'd come off the field. Uh, so, yeah, it is partly the role, but I think your skill set lends you to the role that you end up in. So, yeah, that's what I'd say there. Very quickly, can we just throw it back? Since there's no preseason, just to week four last year where we had Alex Singleton v TJ Edwards in this Jewel of Fates level iconic linebacker game where there's like 50 tackles each and then none of them. It was amazing. Like. I'm going to watch that game tonight now just because I miss preseason. But like, it was the best thing I'd seen in a week four preseason game in forever. TJ Edwards Edwards will always get tackle stats. Like, he's he's that player around the ball. I'm telling you, 10 years ago, like, people would love this guy. 10 years ago, he'd be starting, he'd be ranking up 100 plus tackles a year. Do you guys happen to remember Joe Mays? Joe Mays, the linebacker the Eagles had back in the day? Yes, yes. That was a long time ago, though. Yeah, a long time ago, but everybody loved him because he was like the small linebacker, but he had so much heart he was playing with, and he was a good tackler. That's T.J. Edwards, by the way. Joe Mays and T.J. Edwards are the same players. So if, if you're listening to this pod, you remember them, uh, and you remember Joe Mays, go, go compare the two, and I swear to God, they look the same. Uh, I, T.J. Edwards, to me, though, is a great special teamer, and to you can't downplay that. Uh, special teams is an important uh, – I would say it's important nowadays. Just those pump returns can decide games. So, uh, I mean, Miracle of the Lones, too. Anyways, Liam, mm. your most overrated player on the Eagles is... I'm, I'm really happy no one said mine. Oh, I don't know, it's only been Johnny. But I was, I was kind of... Because I've had a hot take for a while, simmering. And I was like, when's the right time to come down on this man? Uh, it's Derek Barnett. Derek Barnett has not been a first-round pick. He has not shown me anything worthy of picking up a fifth-year option. I don't know why the team did it. I don't understand why you now go into a year where BG's getting older. You've got one one contracted year and a fifth-year of Derek Barnett. Sharif Miller's guaranteed us 10 sacks and has played two special team snaps in his rookie season, so that'll be fun. Um, Josh Sweat has 
been the only defensive end that took a nice upside swing. Like from what we saw in 2018 to 2019, big improvement. Love to see it. I'd love to see more from Joe Ostman without preseason, without camp. That's going to suck. There's a lot of pressure on Derek Barnett. And the only improvement I saw was he can now spin a little bit occasionally. That's it. Like, sack numbers, you can argue. Like, my thing with Barnett has always been he'll burn out into drives. Like, he'll come in wild, like, loads of speed off the edge. He'll bend around and look like he's near out of the matrix. Get a big tackle for a log. Get a big sack. Have his stat pad for a game of one sack. And then drive goes on another eight, nine, ten plays, and he's invisible. And all the runs are going that way. And you're like, all right, well, it was great that you got a sack on first and ten for second and twelve, but now they're first and ten in the red zone. And, you know, oh, never mind, the ball's rolled into you, picked it up. Now that's your play as well, apparently. Like, there is nothing to me that says Derek Barnett was the right choice at that time. Now, I mean, I know he's the only thing that people go back to is, yeah, but he's still young. And it's, I don't care if you've been in the league the same amount of time as people that are older than you and they're doing significantly better. It's not enough. Like you have to be better. And it's cool that you've got upside, but show me that the potential is there. Just being young isn't potential. And people get that confused. Derek Barnett, I'd love to see him prove me wrong. I would love to see him come out and have a great year, but nothing I've seen so far has shown me any hope of that happening yet. That's a good one. I mean, I, I think most people would agree with that if you asked. Uh, majority of the fans, I think Derek Barnett would win the vote, to be honest with you, because I don't think he's ever going to live up to the top 15 uh, pick expectations. Mm. But I won't talk much more about him because of other reasons that I will not be named. <laughs> so I agree with you, though. I, 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 everything you said is correct. Uh, I, I, he's, it's never going to happen. I don't think he's ever going to be this complete defensive end. He can't bull rush. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Uh, had, did it in college. Hasn't improved whatsoever in the pros. Don't think you're going to see that improve at all over time. Uh, it wasn't like he's in the Brandon Graham situation of Brandon Graham taking forever to break out because the Eagles have given Derek Barnett every opportunity to break out. Yeah. Uh, they won't take him off the field. He played 725 snaps last year, uh, I believe. I think it was no, 752, sorry. So, yeah, they're giving him every chance. It's not a Brandon Graham situation. Derek Barnett is the player that he is. He's uh, a two-down defensive end at best. It's that's what it is. So I'll go into my most overrated player. It's a steaming hot take. I think a lot of people are going to hate it because uh, once you do something good in the Super Bowl, you're good with the Philadelphia Eagles for life. Uh, you're good with the fans for life. Because that's what I think people will say about Barnett. Well, Barnett does this. Yeah. That's what you see on – he did this in the Super Bowl. He did this in the championship game. Well, my most overrated Eagles player is Alshon Jeffrey. I went ahead and picked mm. Alshon. Uh, if you said to me – if you said this – about Alshon's career with the Eagles with the contract extension, that he would never amass a thousand yards, uh, never amass double digit touchdowns, but they win the Super Bowl. I think people would tune out everything else you said and said, but the Super Bowl, he helped us win a Super Bowl. All right, that counts. That was worth it. So, yes, in reality, the one year contract in 2017 was worth it, but ever since the contract extension, it has just not been there. And I'm going to tell you why because I compared him to the last number one wide receiver the Eagles had. So Alshon's three seasons Philadelphia as the number one wide receiver target for the Eagles, 165 receptions, 2,122 yards, 12.8 yards per reception, 19 receiving touchdowns. Let's take a look at Jordan Matthews' first three seasons of Philadelphia as the number one wide receiver target. 225 receptions, 2,677 yards, 11.9 yards per reception, 
19 receiving touchdowns. If I told you in 2017, hey, we're going to sign Alshon Jeffrey and he's going to produce on the same level as Jordan Matthews, what would you say? I mean, I'm a big Jordan Matthews fan, so I'm not going to talk on it. <laughs> but, I mean, you would be disappointed because you expected yeah. Alshon Jeffrey to come in here and be a lot better than Jordan Matthews because that was the point. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Johnny? Yeah, I, I, I can't figure out Alshon. Like, I'll be honest. Like, I was – I think I told you this before. I was recording a podcast that season we signed – Tory Smith and Alshon Jeffrey, the Super Bowl season. And I went back and watched every single free agent wide receiver, like in depth. It's probably the most detailed podcast I've ever done. And I loved Alshon, man. I loved him in Chicago. Like young Alshon, go back to like, I mean, I've got his numbers up in front of me now. With like 2013, 2014. Like, he's got oh, yeah, just, he was a target. When him and Brandon Marshall like, were fun to watch. Oh, yeah, young and- Alshon was incredible. Even 2015, 2016 for Chicago. I loved him. I loved the signing. And in 2017, I thought we played really well. But his numbers were just, like, his catch percentage is awful. Like 2017, he's 120 targets and 57 catches for 789 yards. But there's still a part of me that's like, uh, I just, I don't think we ever, I've said this to you before. I said this on the Mike K episode. I don't think Alshon Jeffrey was ever a good scheme fit for what we want as an ex receiver. Like I've said that. And by the way, I wanted us to sign him and I like, and I like the signing, but he does not strike me as a West coast um, style of receiver or so I feel a bit sorry for Alshon. I do feel like we've never really, given him sort of the best chance to go and succeed. I think he right, was better in 2018. I liked him in 2018. And to be honest, I, I find it, I, I don't know. It's like, it's a bit like the TJ Edwards thing, to be honest. It's hard to see what Liam said about role. Is Alshon overrated because his role for the Eagles just isn't what we wanted when we signed him? But it's also about, would the Eagles ever have a massive receiver going and hitting sort of 80 catches for 1,300 yards? I'm not sure the Eagles are built that way. So, no, that's... That was my That's, sorry to, to jump yeah. in. Like that, that was my thing. So I remember when I spoke to Jordan Matthews before, um, his main takeaway. This was like just before his second stint with the team was that the Eagles are built like, at the time like the Golden State Warriors in a way where like, if Curry can't go, you've got KD. If KD can't go, you've got Clay. If Clay can't go, you've got Iggy. In a way where no matter what other team matchup presents, that you've got someone there that can deliver and get open. And I don't think the possession receiver in this offense is designed to be the guy that goes out and gets a thousand yards. It's designed to be that girl, right? Yeah, it's and I remember that, that off season where I had a very good bit of intel that the team wanted Kenny Stills. Then I put it out a day later. They signed Old Sean, and my Twitter mentions become a train wreck for the next month. But looking at it, like I could see Kenny Stills being more of a success than Old Sean was, at least from a receiving percentage, because of the type of player that Stills was in comparison. Um, but I, I agree, like, Olshan is just a, he's an enigma, I think, in every sense of the word. I, I don't know, though, like, if we're going to say, all right, well, if Olshan moves on next offseason and Jaydor takes over that role, is the production going to differ massively? Or does that then become, well, like, his whole point of being there is to open up the field for someone like a Rager, like a Zaka, it's like whoever's playing the slot at that point. Or is it, well, no, this has to be the number one guy, because when you've got, Dallas Goddard, when you've got Zach Ertz, when you've got Miles Sanders now getting over 500 receiving yards as a rookie, like, surely there's a point of, if you take Olshon out of it, it's going to hurt the offence from an optionality standpoint. So, to, to Johnny and your point, uh, I agree with you to the fact that, I I mean, I do think he's overrated, though, because of the injuries. I don't think he's been the same player, because ever since he got to Philadelphia, he's been hurt numerous times. He's a show of what he used to be in Chicago 
Absolutely. I don't think if you remove him from this team and put him on another team, he's that decline isn't going to just improve. I, I, I don't – because you see people on Twitter thinking that when he comes back from injury, it's going to be an Alshon redemption year on Eagles Twitter, and that's why I even fueled me more to put him on this list because that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, but I do agree with you, Johnny. I think it wasn't the best fit. I think at the time they thought we have a young franchise quarterback who struggled with mediocre wide receiver play during his rookie year. We need to get him the best talent available that we can. And that's what Joe Douglas' influence was, was to get the most proven, talented guys in the building. And that's where you should build your team from. So they went out and signed Alshon. They went out and signed Torrey. But I think what Eagles need from wide receiver standpoint is playmakers, is separators, is speed guys, because your Zach Ertz or your Dallas Goddards are your main possession wide receivers, really. Uh, to call them tight ends at this point is wrong. The 12 personnel tight ends are basically your wide receivers at this point. They're the best wide receivers on the Eagles. If you take out, uh, cause I don't, I don't think Deshaun Jackson's going to be a full season here. I think he's going to be hurt. Uh, Jalen Rager, uh, that rookie pan- with the pandemic coming in is going to hurt hamper him. I don't think he's going to really hit his stride till mid season. If that, uh, Jay jaw, I think the same thing. I think this pandemic hurts him. Uh, we'll get more into that later, <laughs> but I, I just think again, you have to rely on the tight ends heavily to be your possessions, guys. The Eagles need more speed and more playmaking ability at the outside. They got that with Marquise Gibwin. Uh, they got that with John Hightower. They got that with Jalen Rager and Deshaun's back. I don't, Alshon, to me, when he comes back, if anything, is a proven guy that you can have play. I don't even want to say start the whole entire time. Join the rotation. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a difficult one. I like Alshon a lot as a player. I love I Alshon. Thanks for the Super Bowl. Thanks like, for the Super Bowl because he played. Not, I've never really loved him on the Eagles. Though. I've never really loved him here. Like yeah. twenty, I love him from like go and watch like Jay Cutler film from like twenty thirteen. It's freaking hilarious, man. Like Alshon mm. just gets launched the ball. There's there's plays against like Josh Norman, I remember, and there's the coverage is perfect, and Jay Cutler's just like yeah, he's open. I don't, and Wentz isn't that kind of quarterback. To be fair, we spoke about that before with Mike Kay as well. Wentz is not that kind of quarterback. Um, yeah, let's not spend too long discussion now, Alshon. Though. I'm going to move on. Right, we need uh, to get into breakout candidate now because yeah, I, I, I wonder pitchforks anyway. <laughs> For that. <laughs> I wonder if I've stole your breakout candidate. So I don't know. I might be wrong. I'm going to go for a slightly weird one. Normally you go for, the classic breakout is the second year player, isn't it? It's the rookie who didn't have a great year. Like everyone, every rookie is a breakout. Every second year player is a breakout because it's like common to do. But I'm going to go for slightly, someone a slight bit older. And I've sort of flip flopped on my opinion on him, but I'm going to go for Will Parks. And a bit of a strange one because I wasn't sure about when Will Parks here because I feel like he's had a pretty good career so far. Based on Connor's reaction, he's going Will Parks as well. <laughs> um, it's because we've been discussing this offline a little bit recently and I wasn't a huge fan of the signing as I like the player, but I don't love the player and I wanted to keep Malcolm Jenkins openly. But what I wonder with, with the pandemic and other things, how much is the Eagles defence really going to change? And I'm going to steal Connor's point here. If you look at the current safeties they've got, he is the one that fits the Malcolm Jenkins role the best. Like, I like Jalen yeah. Mills quite a lot, actually. And I hope Jalen Mills gets a chance to play. But he can't play the role that Malcolm Jenkins did. Not in that way. And Kayvon Wallace is a fourth-round pick who is not going to play much in training camp. He's not going to get a preseason. So he's not going to start this year. So almost by massive default, I think Park's skill set actually might fit really well here with the Eagles. So I'm going to go for a strange one and put him as a breakout. Even though he's not that young, he's not sort of a second-year player. But I think he might have a season where he goes from a role player to potentially um, sort of playing quite a lot of snaps. And we've even discussed previously, or 
the podcast how we could potentially play dime linebacker as well so you could even see a situation where mills is playing and parks are playing and as you mentioned earlier on liam that idea of get as many defensive backs on the field at once you could see a bit of like a mcleod at deep parks playing sort of linebacker on third and 15 and then mills covering sort of a big body tight end or something playing with jenkins role so yeah god do you want to add to him am i right in guessing yeah he was all right so player? before we get Liam's answer because you did just take my breakout player. I'm just going to throw it because you took literally everything I said. I said he has all the tools to replace Michael Jenkins, plays box, slot extremely well, dying linebacker and sub packages, was reminiscent of Jenkins. Pandemic hurts came on Wallace's transition to NFL. Joe Milne shifted, uh, shifted safety. Parks experience gives him an advantage in the camp competition. And then he's playing for a long-term contract, so he's proving himself. So he literally is going to come out and play his best ball. And to add to that, the Eagles need to replace 1,377 snaps from the safety position with Malcolm Jenkins gone and their third safety position up in the air. That is a huge indication of Parks has never gone past 600 snaps. So you already see the opportunity is going to be there for him in Philadelphia. Jalen Mills is still going to have a ton of snaps as well as safety no matter what. They're going to play a lot of three safeties next year. And not only that, as we alluded to in other episodes, Johnny, if the cornerback two position struggles or doesn't look as good, Maybe they even consider playing Jim Mills there a lot. It's a lot of matchup advantages they could do with that. But, yes, Will Parks is my breakout candidate. I think he – I have an article coming out, so I don't really want to go much into it because I did watch a ton of film on Will Parks. But I, I, I think there's a lot to like there. I think he is very a good breakout candidate, and that's why Johnny and I, of course, agree on that. both have him. So, Liam, Trimble, mm. you're good. you can take as long as you want now with your breakout oh, candidates. Man. You're the last one with this. Yo, Will Parks was there for me as well. Like, I think I, I can't remember which game I watched. It might have been like week five last year, but he was playing like Mike linebacker snaps. And I was like, okay, I'm sold. I'm done. Okay, that guy is <laughs> doing everything. And it was a weird one because I, as Connor knows, I get very emotionally attached to players the second I predict a break. I like, so Captain Craven was obviously the logical one for me. Um, Boston Scott, I was on that hype the second they approached him from the Saints. Um, Tricky though, trying to find this one, like, because I didn't really know where to put it. So I had a feeling you guys might have gone Will Parks. That was like one of my go-to options to begin with. For me, I could have played it coy again on Carson Wentz. Didn't want to go that way. So back to the secondary. And I was like, don't think Sidney Jones just yet. Is Avante Maddox ready for an outside role? Probably not. And I was just going around, honestly, going around in circles. This is the one thing I got stuck on. Like, it's a lot easier to be negative about players than it is to find like those little silver linings. Um, I'm going to go with a total wild card. And I mean like a total wild card. I mean like if he makes the roster, there's a shot. Elijah Holyfield. Total wild card. Oh, wow. Breaking news on the Eagles Brawl podcast. Yeah, that is... We've seen this before. We've seen this before. Eagles and undrafted running backs seem to go well. All right, Corey Clement 2017. We saw Boston Scott recently. I don't know if you guys have seen Elijah Holyfield Panthers film. It's very good. I don't I know if you've seen... I was a big seen... fan of Georgia. I was a big fan of Elijah Holyfield at Georgia. I just... He went to that combine and ran like his feet were in the mud in that room. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, they probably are. But... I think they're stuck the... there. Clorox knows you want your clothes smelling fresh and clean, but so what happens? That's why we created Clorox Fabric Sanitizers to freshen up your clothes between washes, pre-treat extra stinky laundry, and make sure every last odor comes out in the wash. 
Clorox fabric sanitizers take care of all that and eliminate 99% of odor-causing bacteria. Plus, they're bleach-free and safe for all colors and fabrics. When it counts, trust Clorox. At Freedom Mortgage, freedom means helping veterans achieve their home financing goals. Whatever freedom means to you, Freedom Mortgage has custom loan options to meet your needs, making home financing a custom fit. That's freedom. Visit freedommortgage.com forward slash VA to learn more. Freedom Mortgage Corporation, MLS number 2767, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org, 951 Yamato Road, Boca Raton, Florida, 33431, 800-220-3333. Licensed in all 50 states. For complete licensing information, visit www.freedommortgage.com forward slash state dash licensing. Equal housing opportunity. The Eagles haven't replaced Jordan Howard. That's been the most perplexing thing about this offseason to me. And I'm not saying go out and sign Devonta Freeman or Carlos Hyde or whoever. Like, fair enough. But every year in this Peterson offense, we've seen a committee effort with a bruiser back. And everyone's, oh, it's the end of the committee backfield because Malsana's exists. I'm like, well, no, that should be more of an effort to keep the weight off his shoulders. If you get a Ferrari, you don't run it into the ground because you've got a Ferrari. You take care of the Ferrari and you make sure it's at its best when you want to go and flex on everyone. All right. That's what it's there for. So you need someone to come in and do the dirty work. Corey Clement hasn't been there. He couldn't catch punts last year, for crying out loud. I don't think that even with injuries, like recovery with this time, he's going to have it. Michael Warren and, uh, oh, there's the other guys. And there's Michael Warren, the other undrafted free agent. None of them lit the world on fire for me. Elijah Holyfield is a bruiser back that if you just ask him to go forward, I think he's a short yardage guy. And I think he could see a significant uptick. Like, But if Boston Scott's going to have a role, it's Darren Sproles. If Elijah Holyfield's going to have a role, it's LeGarrette Blunt. And that is, I know it's a dream prediction. It's probably the most unlikely to happen. But. Oh, no, I appreciate the hot takes. I appreciate the predictions because who knows? Then we can refer back to this and say, hey, Liam said it first. So uh, So just really Johnny is fuming. Yeah, Yeah, I'm about to say Johnny is fuming Uh, because you just hated on his favorite player. You just just hated on his favorite player. (laughs) If Miles Sanders is a Ferrari. Elijah Holyfield must be like the little push bike when you're like five that's like yellow and red. Oh, that, did uh, you, you sort of get pushed Elijah around in the garden. Elijah Holyfield the Subaru Outback of the Eagles backfield. I mean, the, you mentioned two oh, other UDFAs, but the, there's a difference between Corey Clement and Boston Scott, and the difference is they can run, which is a problem with Elijah Holyfield, that when you test that poorly, oh my goodness, you better be very, very physical and very powerful. And every time he walks on the field, the opposition might as well just take five steps further, uh, five steps further forward, because you're not going to throw to him. Um, Corey Clement is significantly better, and the problem with Corey Clement is health. And um, to be honest, I think Michael Warren might be better. Um, I do agree with you in some sense, though. I don't think the Eagles are going running back by committee this year, and we can debate in another podcast when there's a whole other debate about whether that's sensible or not. But I think the Eagles are pretty much turning it over to Sanders. I think that's pretty much sort of accepted mm. now. And I'm a little bit surprised they haven't got someone for a power back because I do think there is a role there. I think there is definitely a role in the Eagles offense. So it's sort of a sneaky breakout. If you get right, you'll look a genius. But it's not yeah. just like a it's not just like a throw a dart on the wall and be like random player or breakout. And um, there is actually logic there. There is definitely a role for an Eagles um running back because I've watched a lot of Sands as well, I'm sure everyone has, but he doesn't run a lot of power, he doesn't run a lot of counter. They run him duo a couple of times on the goal line, but they don't use him in that sense. They ended up using Boston Scott more in that role last year. And that's not Boston Scott speciality. So I think there is a role for a running back. I would guess it would go in order though. I would guess Corey Clement is priority one. Um, if he can actually play because injuries have killed him. But the reason why he's mm. better than the other names mentioned is because Corey Clement can catch. 
which separates yeah. him from Holyfield and from uh, Michael Warren, because I think Clement can give you more. Then I think it's probably a free agent next. I think it probably goes Corey Clement is priority one. Then second chance will be a free agent. I don't think it's Freeman, but it could be someone else. Then I think you maybe give it to a combination of Warren and Holyfield, which would be a bit worrying, to be honest. And even if they do get it, it might be a highly specialised run, like highly specialised. I also yeah. wonder if the Eagles could bring in a fullback at some point or especially um, in the future going forward, especially with the, the way the league is going, bring in like sort of a halfback who can do a bit of fullback, a bit of um, running back as well. Um, but that's not looking like it's happening at the moment. So, yeah, I mean, that is a serious long shot. Would, um, breakout. I would, yeah, one if, I would prefer they go that route because, to me, yeah. Miles Sanders is the next Lashawn McCoy. They, they, they found yeah. the next Lashawn McCoy. Yeah. So I would like for them to give him 25 carries a game. Uh, I agree with you, Liam. I do think you do need to keep the wheels fresh, especially in a league where when running backs get to playoffs, most of them are gassed. Uh, yeah. You want to keep them in tip-top shape, especially a guy that's a speed guy like Sanders – because he could open up a game for you, and as we see all last year with all of the moves he made. Uh, to me, I think Boston Cott is a very good short yards back. Uh, I think Josh Adams could learn a thing for him too about him. I think we fall in love with this role, with this type of build of player that we needed the uh, running back committee because, again, Doe Pierce has usually had that. But uh, I go back to 2016 when he ran it with Ryan. I know Ryan Matthews is not the best example. Oh, I, <laughs> I know he's not the best example because he was injury prone and stuff. Uh, and then they had Darren Sproles, but I would just see what you, they have the luxury of time. They have the luxury of we can go into the season with Miles Sanders and Boston Scott and Corey Clement, and we can add a running back during the season if that doesn't work, and they could still be effective because we've done it before with Jay Ajayi. I'm not worried about it. That's my least of my worries is the running back position. I think if anything, yeah, defensive end. I know. I I hear you guys though. The role it, for your your under. I understand you're picking the guy in the role that you think could break out, and that's a legit role. I just don't think. I think we are having a little bit of the turning of the tide because putting a cap on Miles Sanders a bill on the field is hindering in your offense. I think he's such a. Dual but do you not think the the other thing, the only other thing, is that it's a really odd way of looking at it. I know. But in a world where running backs aren't getting paid, right? And it's and I know there's this whole just don't go on Twitter and search, you know, running backs don't matter because it is the most bizarre side of Twitter I've ever seen. But there is logic that running backs aren't being paid anymore. All right. Sanders came out of college with like minus seven college snaps to his name, was like the freshest running back you could have. Is there not an element of like we kind of do need the committee because if he goes all in and we ruin him, but he puts up incredible seasons and then we can't afford to pay him, we're back to where we're in 2016 anyway within three years. And if we don't go back to the Super Bowl in three years, well, then well, this is going to get hope, tricky. I would hope they would learn their lesson like they did when they went ahead and took Miles Sanders in the second round and said, hey, if we won't take it in the first, we'll take one in the second finally. Yeah. That's what I – because they I, did consider yeah. Jay – see, you guys say this stuff. I mean, I say this, and it's just my opinion because that's not how the Eagles are thinking. They wanted, they considered J.K. Dobbins at pick 53. They wanted Carlos Hyde. They wanted to bring Jordan Howard back. At the combine, they were raving about it. They wanted to stick with the committee approach. Uh, they didn't expect Jordan Howard to get the money from the Dolphins that he got. They thought they could bring him back on a one-year proven deal since he was injured. The Dolphins went ahead and now bid them real quick, and the Eagles were going to pay what the Dolphins offered. So I, I completely understand why. Uh, so it's not like they haven't been actively trying. It's that they've struck out on every single time where they decided to go with Jalen Hurts instead of J.K. Dobbins. So uh, they are actively looking for that role. I just, to me, I think 
because they're sticking to Doug Peterson's mantra, and I get it. it. It works. They should. But to me, I'm like, you have LaShawn McCoy again. Just have fun. Mm. That's why I don't want to bring Shady back. That, I, know, I know we're going to uh, end up, I don't want to overrun on this, but like. That's why I think they're going to end up bringing back too. I think it's cost efficient. There's no point. You've just got yeah, there's there's a no 1A point. and a 1B at really the same no back. Well, like, just like, got, look, not even that. You don't, not even anymore, man. Not even. He's lost two steps, maybe three. Because uh, even Andy Reid goes into the playoffs, the postseason, the Super Bowl, and says, you know what? You're better not dressing. Yeah, he's just like, sat on the sideline, you know, playing Candy Crush while yeah. his team go on and win a Super Bowl. It's a bit. <laughs> right, we gotta keep this rolling though, because but I do appreciate that major scorching take. If Elijah Holyfield makes a team and has an impact like a Blair Bunt this year, you know who to at saying congratulations, Liam. You are correct. If he's also one of the seven cuts between now and training camp, please don't kill me. <laughs> no, because I, I appreciate uh, why you made him your pick because of the role. You're fine. You're trying to fill the role. I understand. That's a good. I like that. So let's go into player that will surprise Johnny. Take it away. Yeah, player who will surprise. This was a hard one because I sort of wanted to put Will Parks here. I wanted to put Corey Clement, but then I thought I don't actually think Corey Clement is. Unfortunately, I think the injuries might have hurt him hard. So I'm going to go with someone that Eagles Twitter absolutely hates. And Connor can probably guess who I'm going with uh, because of what I've defended him recently. I'm going to go with Nate Gary, uh, linebacker who Eagles Twitter have decided is trash. Um, I think he's probably, I, I I actually put him as my underrated and I crossed him out and put him as surprise. I would have put him as underrated, but I couldn't really have got it as a surprise. So I sort of rolled, rolled it this way around. In reality, this is an underrated player as well. Um, there's one thing that basically the second you say Nate Gary, and I've already spoke about why I think this. The reason why I think he's going to surprise, by the way, is because I think he's going to play a serious amount of snaps next year. More snaps mm-hmm. than have a linebacker. He's going to start in nickel. He's going to start in base. He might even start in dime, depending on what they do. And the second you talk about Nate Gary, this is what people say. And I get it. They look straight away and they say, yeah, but he misses loads of tackles, right? And I get it. He does. Look at his tackle numbers. They're awful. But I just want to just point this out. And I say this a lot about linebackers and about football. Stats aren't easy, right? One thing about tackles is you don't miss what you don't get to. So I think to an extent, you have to give Nate Gary some credit, the fact that he's quite often in good positions. And I think actually a bigger problem with him is play action. But I just really quickly looked this up because that's interesting. I looked up, um, you know, missed tackles last year. And you look at sort of missed in the running game and Nate Gary and sort of total, he missed, he's like top six, seven linebackers in the league for missed tackles. Two of the guys above him, right? Fred Warner has three more missed tackles in the run game and one more missed tackle in the pass game. Fred Warner, San Francisco linebacker, might be up there as good as they get. Someone else who's up there with more is Michael Kendricks, who actually had the most uh, in the league last year in the passing game. Obviously, ex-former Eagles linebacker Michael Kendricks. Jordan Hicks is also up there. Four above Nate Gary in the run game, one above him in the pass game. Some other names around Nate Gary, Tremaine Edwards, Devin Wyatt. Um, there's some good players there. There's some. You look at the list of the top linebackers who miss tackles. They're not a bunch of nobodies. It's Devin Wyatt, it's Jamie Collins, it's Jordan Hicks, it's Fred Warner, it's Michael Kendricks. Missing tackles doesn't make you a bad linebacker. You've got to be in the place to actually stop it in the first place. So uh, he's, an, he's a really interesting one. And by the way, if you look at stops, which PFF really quickly, just PFF describes stops as like when you sort of make a play. It's not just like a tackle, is it? It's like something that actually sort of stops them from gaining a yard or something. Nate Gary only played like 500 snaps against the run and some others played a lot more than him. He ended up with 23 stops, which was six more than Devin White, five less than Jordan Hicks, one less than Fred Warner, 
Fred Warner is a star and over double the amount of Michael Kendricks. And his tackling efficiency is nowhere near as bad as um, some people would think. So I was just sort of defending Nate Gary. In reality, I'm putting him here as an underrated player, to be honest, because I think he's just far underrated. I think Nate, Nate Gary is an average to below average linebacker. But I think some people in Eagles Twitter think he is terrible and Davion Taylor and TJ Edwards and insert any random free agent linebacker signing, they're better than him instantly. And I think he's probably going to be the Eagles' best linebacker next year. He's probably going to have the best numbers. He's probably going to play the most snaps. That's why I have him as a surprise linebacker. And it is worth remembering he switched from safety to linebacker, which is yeah. really hard. And actually, you look at people who switch positions, they don't do it very well. He's sort of one of the only success stories. And he was a fifth-round pick in 2017. So you'd like to think he will continually get better. And I think he sort of has got better. He clearly, last year, people forget as well, was basically the first year he really played. I mean, he barely played previously. His snaps are incredibly low. And he basically had some good games. He did have some bad games, don't get me wrong. Um, but just looking at simply like tackle stats and looking at percentage um, catches he gives up and stuff doesn't tell the full story because you don't miss any tackles you don't get to. I think to be fair to him, he's around the ball quite a lot. And I'm not saying he doesn't need to improve in tackling. Of course I do. He missed way too many tackles last year. But it's sometimes it's easier at linebacker to look at someone who just gets blocked on the play and think, oh, well, he got blocked, it's not his fault. And Gary has done a reasonable job. First year starting, moving from safety to linebacker, it's a really hard transition. And I think he actually done okay. So uh, I'm going to I'm gonna say Gary will surprise people because if you get re- if you get reasonable production from him, I think that's a surprise because people think he's going to crash and burn. That's a good pick. I think that's a good pick because uh, I think you're right. I do harp on him for the missed tackles a lot. Um, but you're right. Linebackers like him, they're, they're covered so much space nowadays, especially with like, the running backs becoming receiving threats out of the backfield. They do miss a lot of tackles. I remember I was studying Quan Alexander, and I, I, at first I was like, this guy misses so many tackles. Why does everybody love him? Why does everybody think he's so good? And then I had some, uh, actually, Brandon Thorne tell me, like, you're missing the point with missed tackles. Believe me, you're missing the point. D- dive deeper. And Quan Alexander covers a ton of range. Like, there's a reason why the 49ers paid him that ton of money. Uh, I know that they already looked to get out of it. But I agree with you, Johnny. And I, I'm glad you brought up all those points about how many of the top linebackers, like Jordan Nix last year in Arizona, missed a ton of tackles. Uh, and he was awful in coverage last year if you look at his coverage numbers. But they cover so much space in this modern day of football. Uh, that's why the Eagles think Nate Gary can be that because they converted him from safety to linebacker. And they're hoping Davion Taylor and him can be the future there. Two athletes that can cover so much uh, cover so much range. I like yeah, just last thing, like, really quickly like as it. well. Really quickly, just because we are going too long now, but really, really quickly. Um, if you look at missed tackles as well as a random stat, right? Uh, any of you want to guess who had the second most missed tackles on the Eagles last year without looking out? This is based on PFF. Who would you guess? No. Um, Ooh, wow. uh, no, no, Ronald Darby. Ronald Darby. Ronald Darby was fourth. Jenkins was full preserve. It was Rodney McLeod. Yeah, McLeod yeah, was up there Rodney again. Because what position does McLeod get in? He center gets field, guys when yeah. Saquon Barkley's running center field at him. It's a very difficult position. And just little thing, I'm looking up numbers here because missed tackles, right? Brandon Graham missed eight tackles last year. Uh, where would you scroll down? Um, Brandon Graham missed eight. Where is he? Vinnie Curry missed one. Who's a better run defender, Brandon Graham or Vinnie Curry? Well, it's Brandon yeah, Graham right. by a mile. So why is he missing eight times the tackles that Vinnie Curry is? 
because he's getting to the ball carrier a lot. And when you tackle good running backs in NFL and you get there, guess what? You're going to sometimes miss. If you don't get there like Vinnie Curry, and I love Vinnie Curry as a pass rusher, but he's not a great run defender, um, you're not going to miss many tackles. Uh, it's sort of, it's one of those double-edged sores where the more you get around the ball, the more tackles you're going to miss. So just simply looking at missed tackles, I do not think it tells you uh, a correct story. Yes, there are good tacklers. There are good and bad tacklers. It's definitely a real thing. Like there are, and it is a really important trait as well. Do not get me wrong. But yeah, I think tackling is one of those things that can be sort of overrated. A bit like drops as a wide receiver position where someone drops it, you go, oh, we can't catch. It's like, well, everyone drops the ball. It's just about not being horrendously bad at dropping the ball. And you know what? If you make enough plays, people will live with the drops because you're making big plays. Anyway, let's not spend any longer on Nate Gary. He is my Yeah, let's go into sure All right, Liam. Even... Johnny just took away the whole entire segment, but go uh, ahead. Do you know what? Like, a little bit, if I'm honest, because I was going to take a, another controversial route and just say that Jason Peters would be the most surprising in a bad way at guard. And then, oh, it kind of his eyebrows raised then. Um, but really quickly, I'll, I'll kind of combine them then, because then really quickly on Gary, what a lot of people don't realise as well, is that yes, he made that jump from safety to linebacker, that's big. Year two, he bulked up by about £25. He got the Eagles off-season award for like the most improved player in their like, behind-the-scenes camp thing. So imagine adding that, like, I had that much mass over Christmas and I get heart palpitations walking up the stairs. Imagine then going into a whole new role and then being expected to play that much. Like, yes, he's got weaknesses. Yes, he bites on play action and comes flying down to the line of scrimmage without much rhyme or reason. But then you've got stuff like that massive play against Atlanta. Um, and it was, it was either an interception or a pass breakup in the end zone. Like, an one of the biggest yep, plays interception, in the game. Yeah. And I was right was, there, yeah. And it was unbelievable. Cause, and then it was like, it was a play that happened like beforehand and he like clocked the same thing, moved into a space you ordinarily wouldn't have been in, made a play. And it's like, I see the upside there. So I'll combine that then with the controversial. I think Jason Peters is going to lay an egg this year. I think it's just, it's a bad move. I think it's understandable. People going, yeah, it's easy to move from tackle to guard. And I don't ever want to equate it to Dillard moving left to right. Because I, but there is some element of this is a man that has played one position on the left for pretty much 10 years solid now. Having to move to guard is one thing. Having to do it where every body movement is reversed is a different beast entirely. Like moving to guard typically helps people who have like a little bit of a lack of mobility and a lot of strength. I think if false starts were a problem before, they're going to be a problem now. I think, if I'm honest, this move was made to get him in the building as an insurance policy behind Dillard, knowing there's no off-season, right? Without giving it as a direct correlation to, hey, Andre, here's Peters down your back. Peters is probably going to lay an egg in camp. It would not surprise me if Matt Pryor is your starting right guard by week one. And then if Andre Dillard struggles, you've got Jason Peters to come in at tackle. I don't think that it is ever a wise decision. Like, yes, the deal is quite attractive, but... Is the play going to be realistically? Could they have done better for the money? I think they did. They, they didn't need to make the move. Like if they didn't think uh, Matt Pryor was the guy, he's at the OL uh, Masterminds class with Lane Johnson. Like that's what you want to see. Like he's building that chemistry. He's sat between Kelsey and Johnson. You don't need a really to go and bring in that one just right. yet. So and I think yeah, that's my. They've opinion. they've been used to Brandon Books being injured the last couple of years now too. So it's not like it's a huge thing for them to go ahead and replace right guard. But I took the over on Jason Pierce playing left tackle this year. He's he's gonna mm. he's gonna play a lot of left tackle this year, I believe. I don't I agree with you. I don't think the guard thing I think the guard thing was to uh like Johnny and I discussed on a previous episode was not is to make Andre Diller comfortable. Uh you yeah. already saw him be uncomfortable already. You already see his confidence shot. You don't want to say, hey we brought him back 
to compete with your left tackle. We brought him back because we're scared at right guard right now. But, I mean, last couple of years, Brian, Brandon Brooks has been out and we had to replace him. So it's not like it's a huge thing either. Uh, I think Jason Peters will play more than Andre Dillard as a left tackle this year. So I, I, I agree with part of what you're saying in that essence. Uh, let me go into mine real quick since we got to we gotta hurry up and start wrapping stuff up. Uh, mine is Derek Bardet for player that will surprise. I'll tell you why. Oh, no. I'll tell you why. No, I'll tell you why. Because I do agree with what you were saying earlier. Because he will never be a top 15 caliber player of pick. That's not going to happen. Uh, but he's in the best position for a double-digit sack season than he ever has in his career. Lack of Eagles interest in bringing edge depth plays well into Barnett's getting even a higher snap count than last year's 752. Javon Hargrave's presence will force offensive tackles to chip block him, which will give Barnett better opportunities to win with outside and inside leverage on pass rushes where he thrives because we all know that Derek Barnett cannot bull rush and he will never be able to. So, uh, again, they might bring back Vinny Curry. There's still a lot of time. Uh, there's Everson Griffin still out there. There's Vinny Cloudy still out there. But – we all know how much Jim Schwartz loves Derek Barnett. We all know what they think about him. Uh, they're going to give him every opportunity. If he doesn't play 752 snaps, it's going to be a little bit less than that, if that. So he's still going to be paying a lot on the football field. But with Lee Jackson, he also being back and healthy, he's finally playing next to somebody that isn't a practice squad caliber player, is a legitimate starter, that is fully healthy. Javon Hargrave is a huge presence this year for the Eagles. Uh, it's just going to boost Derek Barnett's play. And I think once – People see Derek Burnett's sack numbers and see the box score. They're going to think, wow, he's finally made it. But, uh, no, it will be because he's benefiting from Javon Hargrave yeah. being there. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good one because uh, you're right. I mean, in the moment, if they go into the season with what they've got now, Barnett's going to get a lot of snaps. Like, you know, we spoke about Barnett at length. We think he's an average player, which I think is fine. He's not. He shouldn't have been an early first-round pick. It's a shame. Um, but I haven't got much else there. Like, he's going to get a serious amount of snaps next year. And if you get a serious amount of snaps on a team that has Fletcher Cox, Javin Hargrave, and Brandon Graham opposite you, you're going to get a serious amount of one-on-one matchups. You'll probably get three or four sacks a year just by the quarterback falling into you as they get a knock from the other side. Like, so his numbers will probably be quite good next year if it carries on. Right, because if you think about it, he's the the Eagles' fifth best defensive lineman is Derek Barnett probably because you probably would say Cox, Graham, Hargrave, Jackson. So, yeah. and I also don't think I also don't think Josh Sweat's ready to start. And I broke him down quite in depth. No. I like Josh Sweat as a role player. I like him as a backup. I don't think he's a starter currently. And then you and I have so, also said he's a better pass rusher than Derek Barnett anyway. He's a so I do think rusher. he will get he yeah. will get the third down opportunities. But uh Derek Barnett's numbers will be inflated by having the presence of Javon Hargrave there. And then also a healthy Malik Jackson will come in in that third uh defensive tackle role. So I yeah. think Derek Barnett's numbers will be inflated by that and people will think Wow, Derek Burnett's finally made it. But I'm telling you right now, his numbers will be inflated yeah. because of the presence of everybody else. That's why I think he will surprise. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good pick there. Right, All I'm right, gonna so wrap it up. Disappoint. Go ahead, Johnny. Disappoint. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat here because I'm gonna pick two players, even though I'm only allowed to pick one. Uh because uh, I wanted to pick one of them earlier and you sort of said him as well. You already mentioned him, Connor. So I'm gonna say what you said, but then make it a bit generic. So my actual answer was Alshon Jeffrey who's going to disappoint, but I'm going to expand that and say the X wide receiver is going to disappoint. So I think whether that's Alshon or JJ, I think a white side, I think 
that position is going to disappoint. I think anyone who thinks that position is going to be a high volume role for the Eagles, whether that's JJ, I think, a Whiteside playing next year at the start, or if Alshon, because at the moment, I must admit, and I'm very surprised. I know people like Jimmy Kempsky have said for a while it's not going to happen. It looks like Alshon's going to be on the team. Like, I don't think mm. he's going to, he's not going to start, is he? He might not play for a while, but he looks like he's going to play when he's healthy. And if JJ's not doing very well, he'll probably come in and replace him halfway through the season as a starter. But I'm going to just, talk, I don't need to talk about JJ. I said a while, like I spoke about him too much on this podcast already. People know my thoughts about him. I don't think he's very good. It's a shame. Um, so I don't think he'll do very well if he starts there. So the reason why I'd Alshon, though, is I'm going to refer to a guy we tried to get on the podcast a while ago, um, football injury doctor who writes for Fantasy Points. And he's done some, basically, or not him, but he's provided studies on people who study from this rank injuries. The next season, they suffer about 21% performance levels. Now, Alshon wasn't moving very well before the injury. You take an Alshon from last year where he had a pretty disastrous year. I mean, people forget he played like, he played over half the season Alshon last year. Like, you wouldn't believe it. He played like over 10 games. Like, he played a pretty decent amount of snaps and just wasn't very good. His yards per reception was awful compared to where he's been his whole career. Um, so you take that Alshon, another year older, minus 21% coming off an injury. Like, that doesn't sound like a very good Alshon to me. And I've spoken about how much I like him before. So I would love him to be good. I would love Alshon Jeffrey to come back and be the X receiver that this team needs. Because don't get me wrong, this team should have signed someone else because they're going to struggle. I mean, they couldn't have predicted a pandemic. But Rager's not going to have enough time to play. Deshaun Jackson's going to have to carry these receiving group, which is less than ideal. I would have signed someone else there, but they didn't. So yeah, my actual pick is Alshon, but I'm sort of throwing in a bonus one there with the X wide receiver position will disappoint. Whether that's Alshon at the end of the season or JJ Arcega White side at the start of the season, neither of them are going to give you the production that you want from your X receiver. All right, I'll finish Liam, my points there. I hate to go out of order, but let me just go with this because Johnny kind of pretty much took my answer. Uh, I put JJ Arcega White side with disappointing because I think a lot of people are expecting him to have the second year surge uh, to be a better player since he'll be fully healthy and i'm using air quotes here but saying fully healthy because if he wasn't healthy enough to play he should have been on the field that's how bad he was the, they could have they could have afforded to keep him off the field if he was actually really hurt he was that bad uh pandemic hurts the important reps in camp he's not gonna have any preseason reps either so that also hurts i do like that he is working out with carson wentz in houston this offseason with Jalen reagan all that uh that's great but i just don't think he's that talented overall uh his confidence is already sh- shaking and the Eagles added way too many faces of wide receiver room in hopes of reshaping it. Hyde Roseman gave himself needed insurance if JJ, if JJ Arcega White doesn't pan out. Uh, again, I, I agree with Johnny. I think this year we're going to see a lot more Zach Ertz in the X position. We're going to see a lot of more Dallas Goddard in the X position. Uh, but with the 12 personnel, I think you could use Goodwin and Jackson on the outside or Jackson and Rager on the outside and have Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard still be there and be just fine. I don't think they need an X caliber wide receiver that much this season. So, but I do think JJ Arcega Whiteside will get the most snaps there just because of uh, that's who they have. So they can play the position. And as we mentioned on our episode with Mike K that Johnny brought up earlier, I don't think JJ Arcega Whiteside fits one style at all. Just like Alshon hasn't the jump ball, throw it up there and hope your wide receiver wins opportunity. Isn't Wentz's forte. He wants to fit it into windows from guys who create separation, which is why he heavily favors Ertz and his separation ability. His connection from game one with Deshaun was electric, and when Torrey Smith and Nelson and Aguilar were creating space in 2017, Wentz was heavily targeting them. J.J. will never provide Wentz that ability. He will never get separation. Uh, Nick Foles was the jump ball enthusiast, not Carson Wentz. It's not going to change. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I'm very down on J.J. Arcega Whiteside. I think at best, and I said it in previous episodes, he will become the Riley Cooper type role 
on the offense and had that one outliner season because of injuries or something like that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree with both of you. Um, I guess that leaves me now, doesn't it? Yes, it does, Liam. Do? All right. To end the uh, episode, Liam, who yeah. do you think will disappoint on the Eagles this year? See, you thought the other one was bad. This is going to – I tried yeah, – you, you brought me on because you wanted me to come back in, so I made sure I brought the heat. There were two. Both of them were going to get me scolded, so I had to kind of pick which one. The first one was Jalen Rager, only because – and I love Jalen Rager. Like, I had him as my fourth-ranked uh, fourth wide receiver um, of anyone in the NFL draft this year. He was the fourth off the board, so I was very happy with that. I was like, beautiful, that's fine. The only reason I would say it would be a disappointment, though, is because the expectations are so high in a season where, as you mentioned earlier, there's no OTAs, there's no training camp, there's no preseason as we know it. Um, so I think that expecting to come in and get 800 yards is unrealistic. And I think we should be totally okay with if he has 300 yards and a few touchdowns and a few great deep passes, that's fine. Let's wait and see what he does year two. Like, let's just wildcard this season off. Have it as what it is. And if he takes over that spot from Deshaun Jackson, brilliant. But let's not expect it right away. Let's have it as an optional bonus for what should be a year of development and getting to grips with the team. Like the first four weeks are going to be a preseason anyway. That's fine. My biggest disappointment, Darius Slay. Someone, I know Connor's face right away. Oh my God. I was not high signing at all all right I, I was a Byron Jones guy because what do you need in an Eagles defense where corners play off the ball where everything's coming at you underneath right the one thing you need is tackling right is what why I hated Ronald Darby I said last offseason the second day he was signed the most disliked video on my YouTube channel is me sat on this bed ranting that Ronald Darby is the worst offseason move everyone scolded me for it and then this year happened right Darius Slay's tackling effort last year was abysmal. It was disgraceful. It's I hate it. It was shocking. There was oh, no Leah, willingness Oh, please take it. the hamstring into consideration, though. Oh, man. no, dude. Think, the only take thing it into I... consideration. I think... 16 games? No, go... Uh, his hamstring was hurt the whole entire season. Yes, from oh, week three, from right. week three for I'll the rest play. of the season. He said that I'll it hampered this one. All right, so listen. So what about his speed and coverage then? Can he still run with everyone fine? And his, we'll, we'll happily talk about his pass breakups on Twitter, but he'll never mention his tackles, though. I'm, I'm just saying. Like, And at the end of the day, okay, I love Darius Slay, what he does in the air. And if the Eagles remold this defense and they allow him to press and allow him to shadow a wide receiver and take away one side of the field, which is what we're all dreaming of, I don't think he'll be asked to tackle very much. He'll be allowed to play on a wide receiver and just play press and cover and take him out there. And that's fine. In which case, he won't disappoint. I think he'll disappoint because his skill set is going to be reliant on Jim Schwartz making adjustments, which Jim Schwartz doesn't do until there's an inquire article about him that scolds him for everything wrong he's ever done. And all magically the next game, oh, well, now the, the corners are playing press and now we're seeing more blitzes. Like, I don't think Jim Schwartz is going to magically make changes to this defense in a year where they, like, we know there isn't training camp as we know it. There isn't going to be OTAs. There's no preseason. It wouldn't surprise me if you're still seeing corners in off coverage, 10 yards off the ball, Slay stand there and just aimlessly flailing at players. Like, if that happens, could you, the fan base will riot. And I could, I have way too many nightmares. Maybe it's Ronald Darby PTSD. I don't know. 
But I think if we're looking for a player where the expectation is this high and the floor can be that low, I think the biggest cliff to fall off would be Darius Slay with the weight of expectation of, oh my God, the Eagles finally got a shutdown corner. This is our saving grace. This is the man to end the misery. This is the Messiah of the secondary. I think that is a lofty expectation for someone whose primary skill set in this scheme, in where it's a zonal scheme and he is a man corner. I think that's a big cliff to fall off. What a way to end the episode. I mean, I, know, I just realized we shouldn't have ended on disappointment, should we? We should have had, to say, <laughs> we should have, we should have had this, uh, the breakout. But anyway, uh, Connor, so, do you have anything I mean, to add? I've I no, got two well, things I, I want to say, then we'll finish. I think Liam raises fair points, at least, if you if you want to argue it. But now I know how you felt when I wrote that article for Philly Sports Network when I said Darius Slay will bounce back in 2020. You, you, you know, the thing is, I love the article. You were the one that talked me into Slay. And I had to hold off on the film room for so long because every time I watched it, I, just, I couldn't. Like, we know what he does well, which is the interceptions and the pass breakups and the speed downfield. Oh, he's and, one of the best zone corners know, in the NFL, period. So, he's here's incredible. my thing. the Jim Schwartz does a mix of press and zone. He prefers to do a mix of press and zone. Uh, they played more zone last year because, obviously, the injuries at corner. They played 50%, 58% of their snaps in zone. Darius Slay is way better in zone than he is in press. And he is still a great press corner, too, as well. Uh, I think Matt Patricia just specifically put him in that specific role and that's why he floundered a little bit last year because his hamstring was also bummed and playing press corner with a bum hamstring it's just not going to happen i agree with you in the sense of the tackling perspective but again like this is i I have asante samuel on my wall i love that guy wasn't the best tackler so true uh, yeah yeah. i I don't i doesn't i don't live or die by my corners being great tackling and i know that's where you and i used to disagree with ronald darby a lot uh (laughs) you ended up being writing that though because he was dreadful last year Uh, but to me i he's coming back into the defense he was drafted into he knows what jen shorts already expects Uh, i just he's fully healthy now i just don't see how this doesn't work out but we all know how the eagles are with corners so i I, you raise great points, all great points, though. So it's not something that I could say like, "Oh, Liam, you're wrong." Like, there's no way that's no, no, no. So. I, I don't ever want to be out here saying, "Oh, I hate Darius Slay. I hate the move. It's, it's awful. And he's gonna suck." Like, I think he'll no, do you really made, well. You made legit points. I think you. I think you raise good argument. I yeah, think people are gonna it, kill you for it though after they hear this episode. But I, I, I yeah, think you made good points. I also think you might deserve it, but that's a, that's another that's another <laughs> question. <laughs> no, I, no, more, you're right. Yeah, you raised you raised two good points, which are basically scheme fit and tackling. Uh, one of them I can't really argue against tackling. He sucked last year. All I would say to that is the Lions were a mess last year. They were bad. Everything went wrong. The post quarterback was injured. And should I do I want they every the secondary. They literally just they the, the team gave up. And if you want to be nice, I do think if he's playing for a team that are actually good and competing That's in a culture hope. where I don't think he'll get away with it as much here, um, with Schwartz. And but to be honest, Matt Patricia's pretty tough as well. So it's a bit of a weird one. But I'm hopeful. I don't think Jim Schwartz is gonna do the stuff that Matt Patricia was doing though, the, no. it's like telling no. him that and stop sucking on he, people's jock straps or stuff like that. Yeah, and I think schematically, I think they will make adjustments. I think although you're right, Jim Schultz has never done it here, I think that's a perfectly fair point, and I think you are right, he's never changed it. 
I don't think he's ever been given a hand that's very good. I don't think he's ever had no. a very good cornerback. So your both your points are right in in sort of in the aspect of they are potential weaknesses. I don't think either of them, even if you are right though, I think he is that good that he will still be an upgrade yeah. and still be a decent corner. You're right, he might not be the corner that we all want. He might just be an above average starting corner. But I'm more bullish on him because I think the tackling I'm sort of to be honest, attacking I'm not really sure about. I have no real sense. I just don't think you'll get away with that effort on a team that's winning. Like can you imagine him going into a playoff game and just not tackling the guy like I, I'm just not sure it happens the Lions have been crap for so long and he's just got away with being their best player by a distance on defense a lot of the time so I think he'll be pushed harder here um to make more or do a little bit more give a little bit more effort and I think schematically I think he will uh survive I think Schwartz will change it I expect him to travel with number one receivers I expect him to match up he better because they're not very good at number two corner. So I would imagine Schwartz will use him that way. And I think with a better pass rush as well, he will be hidden a little bit more than in Detroit. He was fully magnified every single era because they couldn't rush the quarterback to save their life. So I think he will have a better year. Uh, on yeah. that note, Connor, shall before we debate for too long, shall we end it soon? Because this is behind the this is behind the scenes of Eagles Brawl. Every episode is half hour to forty five, half hour to forty five. Yeah, then we get talking about that. We start talking about Nate uh, Will Parks and Nate Gary, and I go <laughs> off on TJ Edwards for a bit, and suddenly you're like an hour and 15 minutes in. It's, it's how uh, it goes, but I think people will appreciate the episode at least because this was a great debate. <laughs> this is a great roundtable discussion. Liam brought the heat with his hot takes. Uh, I had one for myself. I had some I had some fun with some of my answers. Johnny gave some great answers as well. Liam, oh, thank you. we can find you at on Twitter at Liam Jenkins PSN. PhillySportsNetwork.com is the website. We'll plug their details into the episode's information so you can find them and their great articles if you haven't already, which I highly doubt it. They're a very famous website. Everybody knows them now. Liam, you were also featured on the Eagles, weren't you? They, yeah, did they write an Eagles article yeah. about you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Eagles fan, right? Yeah, 2018. Yeah, it's it the Eagles international game they played in London. So it was 2018 and they, they caught up and just kind of documented the rise of the site. And that, yeah, that did a... Uh, uh, so real solid. It kind of helped draw some new eyes, and I think put a new level of probably respect that wasn't there for me personally. Like the brand was always starting to get recognition, but you know, it, it's like I, I, expecting a 19-year-old kid at the time when I made it to go into America and just start going, oh, "I'm going to talk about the Eagles," like no one's going to care. So to finally get that level of respect, to go, all right, well now he's starting to get a bit of legitimacy. It, it helped us a lot over the last year. So uh, yeah, mate, it's, it's been cool. But just thanks, thanks for having me on. It, it's been a pleasure. And then uh, just to end it, you guys recently had Brian Dawkins on the show for Flipping the Bird, mm. uh, raised a ton of money for his cause. Congratulations on that. Definitely check out that episode. It was Flipping the Birds, correct? I got that right? Flipping the Birds podcast. Yeah, yeah, Flipping the Birds. Yeah, so probably that name. It was a great episode with Brian Dawkins. Uh, they did a great interview there. So check that out if you had the chance to. Liam, great having you on. We'll have to have you on again, my friend. I'd love to be on. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. And uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your quarantine, however you may be spending it. You too as well, my friend. And remember to leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Clorox knows you want your clothes smelling fresh and clean. But so what happens? That's why we created Clorox Fabric Sanitizers, to freshen up your clothes between washes, pre-treat extra stinky laundry, and make sure every last odor comes out in the wash. Clorox fabric sanitizers take care of all that and eliminate 99% of odor-causing bacteria. Plus, they're bleach-free and safe for all colors and fabrics. When it counts, trust Clorox.
Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.